96FM and C103. The Arts House. That is the sound there of James Galway and Phil Coulter and a host of Irish musicians there together. That's on an album, in fact, brought out by James Galway and Phil Coulter together called Winter's Crossing. And that is the title track of it. I'm playing that especially this morning for Noreen because I used to play that uh, off my phone for my aunt Noreen in the nursing home uh, when I played different pieces of music to it and, and for her. And she loved she loved that particular one. And uh, again, a fantastic selection of Irish musicians all gathered there together um, in that particular piece. And whether it's Irish music or other music you're interested in, everyone in Cork knows about Crowley's Music Centre on McCurtain Street because it was iconic. And everybody knows the stories about how Rory Gallagher got his first guitar there from Mick Crowley, of course. But generations of musicians, from those looking for their first string, I suppose, to anyone looking for the latest microphone tech or upgrading guitars or looking for instruments of all kinds. Well, we all ventured through the doors at one point or another and it didn't matter whether you were a beginner or a pro, whether you played trad or rock, 
There was something for everyone and it was run by the Crowley family since the 1920s with all the grow and the knowledge and the intense passion for music passed on from grandfather to son and then from son to daughter. So everyone knew how sad it made Sheena Crowley to close the doors of the business a number of years ago. But you can't keep a good thing down, as the saying goes. Well, Sheila got busy thinking and last summer launched a new website called The Island of Music. It's a fantastic platform for musicians. For It's a treasure trove of instruments for sale and for rent. And she also launched it on August the 6th, which was her late dad's anniversary. Right, yeah. And it's been growing and expanding ever since. It's a whole new way to do business. But as she said to Elle-Marie, it was born out of all those years of connecting with musicians on the shop floor. Um, on the first point about everybody of any standards being very, very welcome there and being a big part of it, like we would have got as excited about a young fella or a young girl getting their first guitar and seeing them come back months later, maybe playing a tune or something like that as they progressed. Uh, and we we stayed with them all the way, so we, we became friends with them and we get to know them and we could say 10 years later, this person started on their fourth birthday, etc. You know, so it was like very familiar intimate kind of thing in a way and yeah like but there with us forever so when the doors closed I had no intention of stopping there but I wasn't kind of well for a while so it took me a long time to recoup and uh, this is like during the period then of the COVID it was like you know when you get that bit of space your brain starts ticking and you're going this is it I'm doing it you know this is the opportunity but um, so the fact that I was forced not to work I was able to sit down and think about everything. I, I always love Ireland's music. The musicians, everybody here, this creativity is incredible. So, like, I often think the world sees us as a little island of musicians, you know, kind of thing. So the island of music is Ireland, really. So, and I want to support as many musicians and as many makers and as many teachers as I can. So creating a singular platform for them and connecting all the dots, that's the objective, you know. What you've done, I suppose, is really moved things into the 21st century, but bringing all of those traditional sensibilities and all that knowledge and all that history along with you. Well, I'm lucky, aren't I, in a way that I've all that background in is from the traditional side of things as well as the rock and all the rest of the different genres as well. Like often people contact me saying, hi, I know you used to work in Croy's Music Centre. Can you tell me, is it okay to buy this guitar? Is this a good value guitar or, or a violin or whatever? So, And then people maybe be asking me history of some um, style of music or something. So people are always tapping into the brain kind of thing about it. And I love it, like, you know, um, because it's a wide spectrum. So also you get to know so many diverse people, talent, um, styles, and it's very interesting. It's very colourful, very intriguing. And then on the website, that's the first thing I wanted to do is Okay, get a bunch of musicians from Cork first, but I hope to gather musicians from the whole country. Like, for instance, now we have Avatar, which is a reggae band from Kerry. And then you have the singer-songwriter Billy Kennedy and Anora George, and there's loads of different people with different styles. There's a hip-hop artist called LG4. There's a new wave artist, Noel Holmes, etc. I can't remember them off my head. So I just love looking at that alone, you know, the different styles of music and with the makers as well and to be able to bring them all together would be interesting you know we're bringing everyone like that together on this platform so performers are there 
instrument makers are there. So that's a fantastic connection. You know, quite often instrument makers are unseen people that you, you never get to meet. You hardly get to see what they're creating unless you're specifically looking for a particular instrument. And I imagine that this is um, a really exciting development for them. It's quite slow getting everybody up. You know, I'm still working away on a few other makers now. I have all their info, etc. And it's like creating a little mini website for each individual. Personally, like I love wood. I love creating and I love making things. I had a go at making a few instruments myself or making no instruments. Because my grandfather used to make illum pipes. That's why the shop was set up first day. So he used to make illum pipes, bagpipes, um, hand drums. And before he died, he had a prototype of an accordion. So there could have been a Crowley accordion at one stage. And my father then made banjos and he had made flutes years ago. And I used to kind of help him and tip away with those kind of things. So I, I have a passion for, you know, the way uh, people might love gadgets, etc. I love woods. Like, I mean, I pick up wood and I'm, I'm just going, oh, I love, look at that piece of wood. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I see the element to it. And it's the same with parts as well. Like I see machine heads and I get excited about machine heads, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm easily pleased. Like I'm not interested in jewelry or anything like that. I mean, those kind of things are my jewels. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, so for me, it was a definite thing that I wanted to do because before Crowley's closed, I was setting up a workshop in the basement and trying to create um, a brand in itself there, you know, because the market had changed so much. Then I contacted all the different guys and they were saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to be on board, you know, because first of all, they know the history and they all have a kind of great respect respect to my grandfather and my father, you know, so they like the association as well, you know, so. Whether I'm selling instruments for them or promoting them, I don't mind. You know, it's for me, it's just to have them on our website. It's like they're kind of the drooling uh, products that people want to kind of uh, peruse. Like um, I've noticed on the website, actually, when I look at the statistics, that there's a lot of people visiting from Germany and Holland specifically looking at the handmade instruments, you know. So you see the numbers like, and you know, uh, Germ- the, in Germany, they love all handmade uh, Irish products, you know. Uh, Japan as well and America. So we'll be doing a lot of marketing abroad for that. Isn't that fantastic? And it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Like you literally only set it up towards the end of the summer last yeah. year. So it's it's not even six months old. Yeah. And yeah. that you're already tracking that kind of specific yeah. international interest, you know, because I suppose in one sense, while we're all isolated at home, everyone has migrated online and that has created a different type of global village to the one we spoke about since the 1980s. Yeah. And it's so interesting that there would be that kind of very specific track and trace that you can do. There's, there's more to this than just marketing a product, but in terms of setting up the island of music, you know, it's a fantastic showcase and yeah. shop front because I suppose for a lot of musicians, this has been beyond them to a, to a large degree. It was something they never had to think about before. And you're creating this platform where people can read about music, find musicians, mm-hmm. buy instruments, links to the musicians' websites. And you're, you're connecting teachers and pupils now and providing instruments. This blew my mind when I saw what you were doing. Yeah, you mean renting the instruments as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I personally, I love that. I mean, my, really, it's just, my, I'm doing it myself and my brother helps me at weekends or maybe when he's got spare time. He was saying, what do you mean you're renting instruments? And it, it took him a few minutes to accept that one. Um, you see, first of all, I, I stock secondhand instruments and the reason for that is because 
I don't want the dependency on China. I see that as a problem that we're always importing from China. I don't like that. I think people need to start really looking elsewhere and trying to kind of come closer to home. And you can see that, you know, from what happened at the beginning of COVID, for instance, Chinese supplies and everybody's in a panic. So that's an important principle to me. Um, I used to always say this. My, my auntie Eileen used to work in the shop um, when she passed away in the late 80s. But she used to say to me, Sheena, will you do an Irish instrument window? And I said, you mean instruments made in Ireland? And she'd say, yeah. And I said, well, I have nothing to put in the window. If that's the case, maybe a whistle and a baron and that was it. And that always stuck with me, you know. And at least with the second-hand instruments, I'm keeping things circulating within Ireland, you know. And I want to create a kind of a circular economy for musicians anyway. So I go out, I buy instruments off the guys who are finished. I know they don't longer use their, usually I know most of them. So I know that they have got X guitar sitting in the corner or like I, I would say, do you use that lovely uh, ES325 anymore? Or do you use that band anymore? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, and then they go, no, I don't really. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No, I don't play it anymore, so I then can strike up a deal with them. So I'm helping them in that way, you know, as well. So it's a constant thing. And then I just thought, um, my father took over the shop when he was 14. So in his innocence and his youth, he used to say, oh, yeah, you can take that, no problem, and come back to me when you're ready to pay for it, you know. So it grew from there. That's what the basis of the shop was. He used to loan out instruments to the Don brothers, say, and they'd go busking in front of Roche stores. And then when they'd come into the, they'd come into the shop then with their shoebox of coins, and they'd split some of it with my dad and to pay off their instruments, you know. Well, um, now, I mean, yeah. some people, when you mentioned the Dunn brothers, know exactly who you're talking about yeah. there. And some people will be no not familiar. But I mean, like their fo- photographs of them will be so familiar to people who would be looking at uh, old photos of Cork City and that sort of thing. And they used to play the accordion and stuff like that, didn't they? And accordion, fiddle. Accordion, and violin, yeah. Yeah. They were kind of foresighted, like one of them was going blind and the other one was getting close to it. But they were... Like the instinctively brilliant musicians, you know, yeah. they had it in them. Like, but um, I remember them from Merchant's Key. So that was like in the 70s when I was about four, I think. Yeah, they were incredible. But that kind of set off a kind of pattern with my dad. Uh, he was always giving things to people. And, you know, you'd have a musician who'd come in like and he'd have a, a maybe heavy metal gig on a Friday night, but he had no amp. And if he got the gig, he'd get money. So it made sense to give him the amp, you know what I mean? So, because then that would lead to another gig and it would help, like, get off the ground. So, doing the rental is really honouring my father, you know. 
because it's his ethos. Like, and a woman came to the door one day. <laughs> She'd rented the banjo. I, I barely spoke to her. She had had it for a month or mo- a little bit more, and we had no communication because I had to drop it to her friend or somebody mm. in, working in town, and he was going to take it down to West Cork. And then she arrived at my door with no appointment, and I was going, lucky I was in. And she was saying, how would you do it? How would you trust people like that? And I was going, it's not it's not hard at all. Like, it's like you give that to people and you expect good things from people that will come back to you, no problem, you know. And my dad used to say, people used to say, you're a fool, Mick, for giving out the gear. Like, And he'd say, well, out of every hundred people, maybe one may not bring it back. He said, it's not that. Like, we serve people... There was a guy who was homeless and he used to come in every second day and sit down for an hour or two playing guitar. And I loved that, you know. He had access to music or he could come every day if he wanted to. And there was a few other people too that um, just you knew they just couldn't manage it and yet they got to play every day, you know. It's cool. Oh, it's more than cool just even to hear. I suppose it's belief in people's good nature, first of all, a belief that people are people are good. And people often think that paying it forward is such a modern concept. And that's exactly what your dad was doing from the age of 14, was paying it forward and creating opportunities. And how often do you hear stories where all it took was one person to have a little nugget of faith and give somebody else a, a leg up or a hand up and that sort of thing can be life-changing. And with the website, you're enabling that to continue because you're allowing people to rent those instruments each month. And so people can be renting stuff for professional gigs or whatever, but also students who are looking to kind of get a leg on the ladder or start off with something. Some of the people who are renting instruments from you are trying out a new instrument, but they're already playing something else. And, you know, quite often if you have a background in one, it can be a way into learning another. You can have people contacting you who are raw musicians who've never played something maybe all their lives dedicated to other people and are saying okay I'm in lockdown again this is something for me are you connecting them with teachers or are some of them renting instruments and watching YouTube tutorials or videos or what well I'm I'm trying to connect everybody to a teacher because I think that's important YouTube is brilliant there's no doubt about it but you've access to that morning, noon, and night, but a teacher will always keep your level progressing forward and be able to tune into what your needs are, you know. We're building on the website now at the moment, building the platform for the teachers. So we've got people from all over the place, actually. We've a much more diverse range of teachers from different counties, interestingly enough. Well, it's the island. It's not just Cork. It is the island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to having all of them up. And they've got loads of background and music and history about you know, even each of them alone. You could chat to them and have a whole amazing, interesting story. So there are, of course, those who just, I've had a few who said, no, I couldn't be bothered with the lessons. You know, I'll do it oh. myself. And I kind of go, OK, well, promise me at a point when you get struggling or stagnant, just give me a shout and we'll find you someone. You're right, they're not necessarily all just starting off on an instrument. There are people who are already established who maybe want to cross or or change over. Like John Splann was here not too long ago, I think maybe a month or so before Christmas, and he was playing a concertina that he he literally just wrote a tune for his latest album, a waltz, and he needed a concertina on that piece. So he was sitting down here playing concertina, and it was beautiful. Like, you know, Sheena had her own concert, like... Next thing, about two hours later, there was a Cuban guitarist who was living in Cross Haven, this woman called Carlos Paz, and he was here playing Cuban music, like, and I was, what a day, like, you know, that, for me, you know, it was incredible. So the opportunity is there. I mean, 
this is knowledge from the shop. Oh, they're all your family, Sheena. Honest to God, yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, 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 definitely. My dad used to say that, like these lads are my the extension of my family. Like, yeah. but he used to never come home, so <laughs> it has to be like. <laughs> When people look up the Island of Music, you have a whole series in terms there of the drop down menus and all the various departments and sections within it. And you're obviously still adding to it, like if you're updating a teacher's directory and that sort of thing. Now, for example, I was talking to Marlene Enright there a couple of months ago and she was talking about how, you know, she's teaching piano online and quite often, like you mentioned, people who never had a chance to do anything like that or would have had the time to do it outside their house, are able to do this sort of thing at home. So that's another fantastic section to the website that you'll be bringing on. All I can do is just tell people, this is the most wonderful, wonderful creation. It's organic. It literally is from the ground up. It's still growing and expanding. And even just listening to you there, I know that you have the most amazing vision for what it could be. It's only in its infancy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like the thing is, I, when I started off this in August, I was being stubborn having it. I was working on it in July and I wanted it for the 6th August because it was my dad's 10th anniversary. I was ridiculous. I set this target for myself and I didn't sleep for the two nights, the 4th and the 5th, to make sure that it was ready. I didn't actually even go to bed. Like I had to lie down on my couch there briefly because I was going to faint. I'm still building, but I haven't even started what I want to do. Like I have so many ideas. And in the middle of the year, we will launch a website for musicians art because I know 50 musicians and Cork who are artists as well yes. so that's another thing so I'll be putting that out there it'll be called Art Catchers my daughter actually originally founded it so there's that that's going to be part of it but like the teachers thing will be brilliant definitely as we build on that and connecting everybody as you said I, I don't know if I should even tell half my visions because I, I can't stop you know because I can see I, I can see all the angles so pull it together then, like, you know, phase one, phase two kind of thing. And phase 10, I'll be still going. <laughs> this has taken what was four walls, what four walls can can do. I mean, it was a, mm-hmm. a cradle for so much of creativity and music in Cork for decades down through the generations and the lives that were changed. I mean, I haven't even asked you to talk, of course, about Rory Gallagher because everybody knows all about the home, you know, in Crowley's. And when you think about what was started just within those four walls by your grandfather all the way back in the 1920s or whatever, to now know that there are no limits. You're not confined by four walls by saying we've no more room for guitars and we have to go down into the basement. And literally the world is is there now there'd be no stopping you if, if this is what you've done in less than six months it's fantastic yeah. I, what I want is the young kids going into school I want them to have a hand to call to mind the musicians you know, to know not just Mick Flannery because he's established but all the different artists like the band we have on our platform called Roan they're absolutely yeah. brilliant there's loads of fantastic talent coming up there's a another site called Troubadour Distillery, they do kind of what we were doing on our YouTube channel too, interviewing musicians. And every week you see somebody and you're like, oh my God, they're amazing. Oh my God, they're amazing. The talent, like there's a guy called Kevin Murphy, who's an incredible musician as well, incredible talent, songwriter. There's so many. Yeah, I want them to be there. Instead of kind of going after Beyonce and people like that, and, you know, that's fine too. But I mean, they have something amazing at home, you know, so that's the plan. 
Take over the world, Sheena. That's it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. I think we'll play some Rowan actually next. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you later in the year when you have your other website platform ready for musician artists slash artist musicians as well. Yeah. And all that's ready to go. And we'll keep an eye on the website and particularly any new developments that are coming down the line. We're always delighted to pass the word on. So brilliant, Sheena. Thank you so much. No bother. Thanks, Millen and Marie. It was great chatting to you. I'm delighted to come on because you're as enthusiastic as me. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed we are. And we do try to be. It's just a fantastic website. Check it out. The Island of Music. If you're just looking to connect with your favourite Cork and Irish musicians. Sheena is in the process of setting up links to everybody and in turn to their websites and of course Bandcamp is something we're always talking about to support our Cork singer-songwriters and musicians especially uh, through that. But also if you're looking to take up instruments or uh, just even look and see what's out there check it out. The Island of Music and uh, all the details will be there. We'll be back with music after this actually. Cork's 96FM and C103 The Arts House with Griffin potatoes cork fresh flowery and full of taste it's at the root of what we do millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
indeed and a great band that's Cork band Rowan and that particular track is um, taken from a recording we first featured when we were talking last year about the new label uh, at the Cork School of Music so that's the CSM label 2020 uh, that was brought out and that's um, Cork brand Rowan which of course are also featured on Sheena Crowley's new website The Island of Music it's great to feature so many Cork singers songwriters and bands of course now, Star Camp is one of Cork's popular camp runners and is well, well known to many parents. And last week, they made an online camp free for children for the last week of their holidays. Well, there were just so many families who just tried to log onto the site, it crashed. So very quickly, they got up and running again and they very generously made it free until the end of the month. Singing, dancing, magic, craft and physical activity. Just look for Star Camp on Facebook. Facebook, and you'll find the free link to sign up. And we're hoping that Star Camp's Aideen will join us on the show next week as well. Yes, indeed. And I know actually a couple of families whose children have been doing it this last week have just absolutely adored it. Um, but besides, of course, uh, doing something like that free online. There's also free art classes coming up with the Glucksman Gallery. And the Glucksman is another gallery which has done so much in terms of supporting uh, creativity right throughout the first lockdown. And they continue now. Yeah, well, 100 Years of Change is a vast project curated by senior cur- curator in the Glucksman Gallery, Ty Crowley, and would have been one of Cork's talking points were it not for covid Tig and the team in the Glucksman have worked tirelessly to bring this fascinating project online through film instead. Well, I had a chance to talk to Ty Crowley during the week after I spent ages over coffee, uh, just like watching and listening to all the fascinating interviews they've gathered online. So I rang Tig the other day. Thanks, Elmarie, and thanks for having me on this morning. Um, yes, yeah, so I suppose... The project, which is funded by Cork City Council, and it's the Commemoration Award, uh, and it's part of commemorative events, is a project that is really about bringing contemporary artworks out into community spaces so that people could safely view the artworks in spaces they occupy in their own community spaces. So the exhibition, the five exhibitions across the five electoral areas of the city, in Ballyfehan, in Mahan, Bishopstown, Holly Hill, and the Glen. And they're in library and community centres. And we've brought contemporary artworks by 
Irish artists from the University Art Collection out and hung them in those spaces. Uh, and each of the, the exhibitions reflect on a specific theme and ask people to think about areas such as health or housing and to think about how the city has evolved and changed so dramatically over the last 100 years. And, of course, we had hoped that we would have been able to, I suppose, engage with communities and invite audiences in to, to see the exhibitions, but, of course, that's not possible at the moment. But we have plans to extend the run of the exhibitions so that when it is safe to do so, when it's safe to get back out into our libraries, into our community centres, that those artworks will still be on display so people can uh, view them in person. Until then, we have a series of short talks by artists, historians and academics, which I suppose delve into those themes in a little bit more detail. It allows us an opportunity to hear from artists about their practice about the, what inspires them, uh, and particularly relating to the themes. So uh, whether it's about the advances in technology or the life of the city, how that has changed, we hear from artists and we hear from academics and historians as well. So those talks, which are all a series of short talks, are available on the Gluckston website. So while we can't get out into the spaces to see the artworks at the moment, you can still watch the short films and learn a little bit more about the history of our city. I really like the way the talks are paired. Each talk is only about 10 minutes or so long. You have a chat with the artist who's talking about the background to whatever work has been featured in the exhibition and the development of it, if necessary, and the connection to the themes you've set out. And that's paired then in each case with a talk from somebody about Cork in context and that sort of thing. Like I know Kieran McCarthy has a fascinating talk on Cork through the ages. Cork City is very lucky. I mean, it's experienced every phase of Irish urban development. Um, so when we talk about Cork 100 years ago, we're probably talking about the, the seventh or eighth phase of Cork's development. So we went from early Christian monastery to Viking Age Cork to Walled Town of Cork to Georgian Cork to Victorian Cork. And 20th century Cork is an amalgamation of all those kind of different um, strands and phases of development. So when, when you enter Cork, in 1920. You meet a city that's still quite small, it's not sprawling. Certainly much of its swampland, many of its marshy islands have been developed upon. There are still strands within its eastern side around the marina that haven't kind of been developed upon. Um, but you, you deal, you're dealing with a city that its population is very much confined to its city centre um, and to around, we'd say, Barrick Street area, Bandon Road area, around the north side of the city. You're talking, we say, the Shandon Street area, the Fair Hill area. So you're not dealing with kind of a sprawling city. And, and the population was 80,000 people. Um, now, one could argue that 10,000 of those people made money uh, and made money very well, and probably um, 70,000 people didn't do so well. When you look at some of the um, archives and city library accounts from 100 years ago, you can see that sort of class divide. Gerard O'Brien goes into the whole history of the Glen and it's really fascinating to look at photos of Cork while he guides you through them. The photograph taken in 1954, which is a very interesting, revealing kind of photograph, it's taken as you come in from Blackpool with Goulding's factory in the foreground and the Glen up behind it. And what is extraordinary about it is this is 1954. You're in the middle of the countryside. To the left and the right of Goulding's factory are just expanses of fields. And if you go, if you look 
deep into that photograph. It's a very good photograph with sort of fairly good detail in it. Right up to um, Carrigal on the other side, up towards St. Joseph's Church, up towards Mayfield. Hardly a house. There are the odd houses dotted around, but, but hardly a house. You know, all of that development took place from the, the early 60s onwards. Like the first real housing boom. The first Celtic tiger, I suppose you may say. And then you have, as you said, these videos of the artists talking. I mean, I was totally engrossed and fascinated in John Halpin's one with what looks like a photograph, but as actually this incredible 3D creation, which is a fantastic examination of technology and art. Um, so having completed that, there was a, a number of these 3D computer models that I had of people that... Um, just suggested interesting possibilities. So I was able to bring these uh, 3D models into 3D computer software. And within that, you can create virtual environments, combine other 3D models, uh, use lighting, uh, camera. Uh, it's, it's effectively like a, a miniature film studio within a computer. And attached to that film, Fiona Kearney takes a fascinating look back into photography as well. And we're able to see all the various photos she's discussing in their historical context. One of the earliest, if not the first, images of a person in a photograph was taken by Frenchman Louis Daguerre in 1838. The image shows an empty street. But because exposure time was over 10 minutes, the usually busy moving traffic was, was not able to appear. The exception is the man at the bottom left, who stood still getting his boots polished long enough to show. As a contemporary noted at the time, the boulevard in question was usually filled with a moving throng of pedestrians and carriages. But the street in Daguerre's early photograph appears to be completely deserted except for the individual who was having his boots brushed. In fact, the shoeshine man himself must also be included as one of the first human figures to be depicted in photography, because as a German magazine of 1839 observed, the man having his boots polished must have held himself extremely still, for he can be clearly seen. In contrast, the shoeshine man, whose ceaseless movement causes him to appear completely blurred and imprecise. How long did it take to put this whole project together, Tyke? Yeah, so I suppose it was a couple of months in the making. We had, in our initial plans, had envisaged the talks taking place within the community centres as well. But we ended up doing them as a series of Zoom interviews. What is great is that when we've seen this with, uh, with our digital activities over the last number of months is we can now engage with such a much larger audience and, and an audience across the whole of Ireland as opposed to the local audience that might have been able to attend the talks in the community centres. So there are certainly a lot of gains to, to making these films accessible online to people. And it also allows, I suppose, the diaspora and people who may not have been able to get home at Christmas to connect with our city and to learn a little bit or maybe reminisce about the city and so on. So there's different ways of engaging it. I mean, the films are very insightful, even though there are 10 short films of of 10 minutes each, 10 by 10 equals 100 years, they do offer a kind of a nice kind of uh, insight into different areas of the city's history. 
Yeah, I love the way you've perfectly put it there, both reminiscing and learning. Now, that's just one of the projects that's there and has moved online and is available to people online. And please, God, it won't be all that many more months before we're able to circulate within our communities and and see these things again. But I love the fact that for the Glucksman Twitter account, which is one of my favourite accounts on Twitter, I have to say, that you've adopted right up at the top the hashtag closed but active, because that is exactly what's going on. I imagine that for yourself as a senior curator and, in fact, all the gallery staff, that this last week in terms of reframing and reorganising what had been planned has been fairly intense. Yes, absolutely. But I think we're quite keen to make sure that our audiences still have opportunities to be creative. So we were quite quickly this week turning things around and we've set in motion a, a plan for a series of free online art classes which will commence next Wednesday the 13th of January. So these are classes that are designed for primary school children in the main but really accessible for all ages. So daily, free daily art classes with some of our fantastic team. We've got a really talented team of facilitators. So each day at 11 o'clock you just log on to the Glucksman Facebook or Instagram pages uh, and you can follow the step-by-step art class and these art classes are kind of designed and modelled on our Creativity at Home series which is also available on our website uh, and that's the, the, the series of uh, art activities that won us uh, international recognition last year. So we're, we're kind of keen that we stay connected with our community with our audiences and to give people I suppose really important to give people some sort of creative outlet at the moment because we will all kind of try to adjust back into another lockdown again. Yeah however reluctantly we do it but these sort of things make it livable and make it human. I mean I had seen on the website that the mid-term art workshops in February they're open now for booking and if people engage with that particular one which does have a cost the cost I suppose primarily also goes towards the posting out of materials to the children so people can book that before the end of January I think the 28th is the closing date for that for activities during the midterm but between now and then this is free art classes and people can engage just use whatever you have at home to sort of rustle up what's what's happening within the art yeah. class is that it? Absolutely so we're really conscious that people don't have a huge supply of art materials knocking around their house so a lot, all of these activities really use household materials or very basic art materials so you don't need to do a huge amount of planning other than just to see what's in your kitchen or even in a number of the classes we'll be making our own art materials from household goods and from, uh, from food items and such so yeah you don't need a lot just uh, log on at uh, 11 a.m. each day from Wednesday and then you can try out some of the activities. And I see even, only even within the last half an hour as well, you're also posting about two masterclass workshops because it's not just a children's programme that's run. Obviously, there's quite a serious and extensive uh, programme for professional practitioners as well as all sorts of artists from all other walks of life as well. So you have two masterclasses which are coming up in filmmaking and photography. Yes, and actually one of the masterclasses is happening as we speak and there has been a real appetite for people to to find ways of being creative since March. We've seen quite considerable interest in, in these courses and people to pick up some skills so that they can, I suppose, 
document and reflect on what we're experiencing in these kind of unprecedented times. And at the moment, Brendan O'Shea is delivering a, a photography masterclass. But coming up later in the spring, you can join uh, artists to do painting workshops, uh, filmmaking, like you said, and all information, all of that is available on, on the Glucksman website. Oh, everything. There's also a six-week drawing course, I see. So there's tons and tons and tons for people to keep themselves occupied, creative, inspired and thinking and engaged and be part of a, another community as well online. Ty Crowley, Senior Curator in the Glucksman Gallery. It's been so lovely talking to you and I know that if this is what's on the menu already at the start of the year, there'll be lots we can talk about over spring and for however long we're going to be at home. Thank you so much. Thanks a million, Emily. Just lovely to talk to Ty Crowley there and, uh, you know, not easy. He's just another example of a young dad with small kids at home but working in the arts and still trying to make everything happen online. So if you're a parent and you have small children at home or primary school children at home, make sure now you check that out from Wednesday the 13th online with the Luxman. And for yourself, give yourself the treat of sitting back, particularly with those talks of old cork and the photos. My God, they really, really are fascinating and uh, I've been enjoying them myself. Corks 96 FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do.
Love that piece. That is, of course, uh, the John Dunbar theme taken from the movie Dances with Wolves. And that was a special request this morning from one of our regular listeners to the Arts Show every Sunday morning, Dave McGrath. Lovely to hear from you, Dave. I'm sorry that you haven't been that well yourself in and out of hospital, but I'm glad to hear that you're doing okay for the start of 2021, which is good to hear. And that's also for Olivia, who I know uh, texted in for music as well this morning and who loves that piece as well. So that's dedicated to the two of you. Now this week two Irish bands, one local one a little bit farther away from home have lost founding members that made them what they are. Liam Riley from Bagatelle passed away this week as well as, well, Reuben Lynch Ricky Lynch's Lynch Mob, uh, a major member of the mob without whom they could not attack you. It is the most amazing band altogether. I think he's going to be sadly missed. Um, and I also miss the company of Rick Lynch as well. Ricky Lynch in, in the corner house. I haven't even been near the place in over a year. I haven't seen Reuben for at least a year. I'm sorry to hear of the passing of, of Reuben. Also, Mick McCarthy, theatre director, passed as well. I remember him many years ago when on the last minute in a dress rehearsal of a huge production for the Everman Theatre, Mick was putting on The Royal Hunt of the Sun by Peter Schaefer, an enormous operation and one member of the cast had to had to go, had to be dropped and I got called in last minute, rehearsed by the director and put on stage at 8 o'clock that night under his guidance. The man was a genius, also will be sadly missed. And indeed for me it's kind of a little bit strange this morning still during the radio programme because my aunt Noreen died on Friday and she was 99 years of age. Now we can't have the funeral until Tuesday and I suppose we're like so many families at the moment who've lost people and you know, this is the time when families should be coming together, when the clans should be gathering and sharing stories. And in the case of my beautiful Auntie Noreen, she was my late dad's eldest sister and she's the last of those siblings now to be gone. And so I know they're all together and I know that at the end of a life well lived, we would love to be sending her off in a big celebration um, and so many families are like us not able not able to do that but when you think of the age of 99 and everything that she saw right the way down through through Ireland from the electrification of rural Ireland all the way to us having to talk to her on Skype in the nursing home because we weren't able to visit her so she was just such a beautiful gentle gentle soul and she'll leave a big hole in our lives certainly um, but I'm delighted to be able to mention her this morning and to pay tribute to a beautiful, beautiful lady.